Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, we're glad you're here today. And if you would, please take out your Bibles and turn in them in the back part of your New Testament to 1 John chapter number 4. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you. You could take that Bible and turn in it to page 187, and you would be at 1 John chapter 4. You know, we have an opportunity as we go into the new year to gather around the Lord's table. And uh, I just want us to collect our thoughts or to refocus our thoughts as we get ready to partake of communion a little later in the service. I was thinking this week about how much the New Testament is an amazing collection of books. And what's interesting about it is there's a theme that runs all the way from the very beginning of the New Testament all the way through the end of the New Testament to its conclusion. And that theme relates to the ultimate wonder of the universe, that God Almighty came as a sacrifice for my sin and my rebellion and your sin and rebellion. And men and women and young people, I believe that it's a wonder that we should never recover from. And so what I want to do in the next few moments is to just renew the wonder in our hearts and in our minds as we gather around the Lord's table. So we want to talk about this ultimate wonder. And the ultimate wonder is captured very early in the beginning of the New Testament in the Gospels, in particular in two phrases. The first phrase contains eight words, both in English and in the original language. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is an ultimate wonder. The second phrase is 12 words, both in English and in the original language, and it goes like this. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now, those words, which we're very familiar with, are truly remarkable words. They are marvelous. They are great and glorious. They are deeply magnificent. God came to us. He took the initiative. He took the initiative regarding the biggest dilemma that any human being could ever face, and that is the specter of sin and judgment, the specter of everlasting punishment in the lake of fire. And I think as we go into a new year, every day needs to be governed by this awareness. Every circumstance in the new year needs to be flavored as we remember this truth. God came to us. God took the initiative. We need to allow that to renew our life focus. And the heart of this ultimate wonder is that Bruce is forgiven, and Bruce has a hope and a future. And that you would know, if you know the person of Christ, 
personally that you are forgiven and that you have hope and you have a future. That's an amazing thing. I mean, it's just amazing. And it's based on historical fact. It's not just because I had some sort of a whimsical thought somewhere. It's based on historical fact. And we see it at just the beginning pages in the Gospels of the New Testament. And it's all the way through. And it's still prominent in the latter parts of the New Testament, which is why I had you turn to 1 John chapter 4, which is some of the latest writings in the New Testament. And I want us to look at some verses here in 1 John chapter 4. And I want us to remember, really, as we look at these verses, these are holy ground. I mean, this is holy ground, the stuff that we want to look at this morning. And I would like to read from 1 John chapter 4. I want to read verses 9 and 10, and then I'm also going to read verse 14. Then we're going to look at these verses for a few moments. Now, understand the wonder and the majesty of these words. Verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of for our sins. Verse 14. For we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. This is holy ground, men and women. Look again at verse 9. It says, God sent. You see, God is the one who took the initiation. And it says that he sent his only begotten son, his one and only, his one of a kind, his supremely special son. And that was not a shallow, superficial act. It was an act, an incredible act of love. I like verse 10, it says, and this is love. Not that we loved God, that he loved us. See, it wasn't us, it was him. It wasn't me, it was God. And he loved me enough and he loved you enough that he came to us. He was the initiator of the relationship. It goes on to say in verse 10 that he said, his son, to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, that word propitiation means the complete and total legal payment. It means that the wrath of God against the sin in my life and in your life was fully satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ. No wonder John says in verse 14, we have seen and yet we testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
This is holy ground. We see this throughout the New Testament. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The Son of Man came. Why? To seek and save that which is lost. That's a description of me and you. In 1 Timothy 1.15, it says that Christ Jesus came into the world. He took the initiative to save sinners, to save Bruce, to save Richard, to save Kathy, to save Valerie, to save you. In Romans 5.8, it says that God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, while we were uninterested in God, while we were prone to rebellion and stepping over the line, Christ died for us. Do you see how this is really holy ground? Do you see how this is truly remarkable and marvelous and great and glorious? It's deeply magnificent. And sometimes we emotionally get out of touch with it. God came to us. He took the initiative. And what is is even more amazing to me is he did this not only to rescue us. That would have been marvelous on its own. Remember what it says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 5? It said, God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. That is a wonderful thing. But there was a, a deeper aim than that so that he, it's almost hard to say these words and believe them, so that he could adopt us as his very own children? you got to feel that every day. God came to us. He took the initiative. And every day, we should be governed by our awareness of this. In every circumstance we face in the new year, we need to remember that. We need to allow it to renew our life focus. The ultimate wonder is that Bruce is forgiven, that Bruce has hope and a future, and that Bruce, I, I can't believe I have the privilege of even saying it publicly, that Bruce is adopted into the family of God. See, the ultimate wonder is that you are forgiven, that you have hope in a future, and yes, that you if you know Christ personally, have been adopted into the family of God. And what bowls me over even further is he did all of that as a gift that he gives to us. And this, again, isn't just some sort of wishful thinking on on my part or your part. This is historical fact, and we need to remember that today, and we need to be refreshed by it Tomorrow. You know, I came to trust in Christ as my Savior when I was 11 years old, and I was just thinking, I'm 61. 
50 years ago, half a century ago. But the truth is, you know what? You never move beyond the cross. It's just as special today as it was 50 years ago. You only delve deeper into the cross. You never move beyond it. And in just a few moments, we're going to be partaking of communion. And um, I want to read a little piece as some further preparation for us to get ready to partake of communion. And if it helps you, you know, feel free to close your eyes and listen. I don't want you to necessarily be distracted by me. What I really want you to hear in these next couple of minutes is the profoundness of these words. So whatever helps you, I would encourage you to do that. There are words that are built around that first phrase that we looked at from John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Audacity, incredulity, a thought that is well beyond awesomeness. Earlier in John, it says, the world was made through him. He created a vast, vast universe, spoke it into being. He hurtled galaxies into space, hung the sun in space at a perfect distance from the earth. He designed beauty and variety in the plant and animal kingdoms, sunsets, uniqueness in snowflakes, intricate detail in the human eye, the human heart, brain, and nervous systems. Despite his divine masterwork, Due to the bold rebellion of Adam and Eve, the malignancy of sin infected the first humans and subsequent generations, yes, even us. A promise was given by God himself of future deliverance. Blessing was still to come in the world of humanity. The promise of the anointed one, Messiah, who would deliver people from their sins. Prediction was made. A virgin would give birth to a son, a key step in cosmic resolution. Utterly amazing. The Word, God Himself, jumped into the story with the aim of delivering us. Emmanuel, God with us, becomes one of us to bring us back to the Heavenly Father. Half of the DNA came from a young 14-year-old virgin from a redneck town in Galilee. Half from divine insemination. The ruling God, creator himself, formed in the womb of a young girl. One day, God himself in human form squeezed through that girl's birth canal into the very atmosphere he had called into being. The very one who had breathed life into Adam and Eve 
gasped his first breath from the stale, musty air of a cave stable stocked with domestic animals he had designed. With eyes squinting at the fake candlelight, his first sight was two young people, newlyweds who were dirty and exhausted from days of travel and child labor. The rest of his court of subjects were crusty, smelly shepherds. Utterly amazing. No thunderclaps from heaven, no pillar of fire, no violent earthquake, no array of whirling chariots, no army of 10,000 cherubim and seraphim shining forth the full glory of heaven. Just a quiet night, darkness, and the wails of a newborn babe. The king of kings had arrived. God with us. It just doesn't seem to calculate. Emmanuel, a small infant with wisps of hair and tiny nails. Talk about profound. You know what the most amazing wonder is? This ultimate self-revelation was destined to end in the ultimate self-sacrifice. The immortal God came to die in your place. Allow the wonder to pour afresh over your heart. Celebrate the rescuer's birth, his first coming. God came to earth for you. Ah, but there is another holy day ahead. During his first visit, Jesus said, He came not to judge the world, but to deliver it. The promise is, next time, it will be different. The lion of the tribe of Judah will appear in all his heavenly glory with power. Heaven will open, and the one who is called faithful and true will appear on a white horse. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, in righteousness he will judge and wage war. He will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lamb and from the glory of his power. His awesome holiness will cause humanity to cry out, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. All the nations will see him and they will mourn loudly. The baby born for you and me in Bethlehem will return to the holy city of Jerusalem and the government will be upon his shoulders and he shall reign. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. No wonder it declares that he lowered himself, that he humbled himself. Don't miss the magnitude. The word became flesh and dwelt among us indeed. 
John 1 goes on to say, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In words penned by a German, Joachim Neander, in 1680, 333 years ago, a man like you and me, words written at the age of 30 while struggling with tuberculosis, which would take his life one year later. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O oh, my soul, praise him. For he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. Praise him in glad adoration. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Praise to the Lord. Oh, let all that is in me adore him. All that hath life and breath come now with praises before him. Let the amen sound from his people again, gladly, for I, we adore him. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And that's our privilege to do today. Bow with me in prayer, if you would, please. Father, we just, oh, we get so distracted by life. It's so easy to lose a grip on the magnificent wonder of who you are and what you have done for us. And Father, what a privilege it is to be able to gather around the Lord's table and to partake of the bread and to partake of the cup and to remember how you took the initiative because of your love for us. Never really get over the cross. We can only delve more deeply into it. And we would pray that as we partake of communion now, that you would just simply refocus our hearts, renew our perspective as we head into a new year because we want to honor you because of your love, because of the riches of your love, and because of our Savior. We thank you for the bread which is your body that is broken for us. We thank you for the cup, which is your blood that was shed for us. Thank you for the privilege of calling you our God.
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in just a few moments, we're going to be um, getting the, the bread and the cup. And I'm going to ask our elder couples, we have some elder couples who will be stationed up at these tables to come on up and, and to get ready. Um, and why would we practice what's called open communion? That simply means you don't have to be a member here um, to partake of communion. We do believe, though, that communion was designed for those who have a relationship with a living Savior. And if you've never yet trusted in Christ as your Savior, I might just ask you to observe what we're going to do. But here's the logistics of how we're going to do this today. Um, we're actually going to partake of the elements together. So when you come to the front to pick them up, we want to ask you to return to your seat and then just to hold on to those elements and then we'll partake of them as we enter into a new year uh, in unity together. And what we're going to ask you to do is just to stand up by rows and go out towards the outside, get your elements, and then come back down the center aisle to return to your row. Now as we do this, there's going to be some some quiet time, some time available. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. You know, one of the names that we give to the Lord's table is communion, and the idea of communion is that we are communing with somebody. And so we want you to take some time to do that with the Lord Jesus. It might mean that there's some things that need to be confessed in our life. It might mean that you're simply just going to overflow with gratitude and thank Him for all that He has done and all that He is doing and all that He will do for you. But take advantage of this time. Picture Him being right here with you because He is. And let's make this a few moments of worship. So then you're going to get the elements, and then you'll hold on to the elements, and then we'll partake of the elements together. So... We can begin just to stand up and begin to move, and I will come down here and, and get my elements.
This is my body broken like bread for you. This is my blood given and shed for you. Drink it in wonder, marvel and eat. God torn asunder, man made complete. Stagger the mind at the truth here revealed. Bow and be broken, rise and be healed. Here's the truth to ponder and bless. Sinners partaking of God's righteousness. It's the ultimate wonder of the universe. If you are able, I invite you to stand with me. And in honor of the one who bled and died, we are now going to partake of these elements just as he instructed us to do. He said, first, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat it. Let's do that now. And he said, this cup is my blood that is shed for you. Take and drink it. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for a new year. It's a gift from your hand. And we know there's going to be some ups and downs and all arounds. But we also know that you have a plan to shape us, to work in us, and to work through us. And may we give you the praise and honor and glory that is due you as we walk through the days of this year. May People see us, not that we're perfect, but that we have a perfect God and a wonderful Savior. And may they be intrigued as we rely on you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to honor Jesus Christ that we have before us in this new year. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it would only be fitting that we close by singing about the riches of his love. <laughs>